You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. 2020. What a year, right? It may seem like a bit of an understatement to say that it's been a heck of a journey for all of us, both personally and professionally. We've had to adjust the ways we work, the ways we live, even the ways we connect with each other. And we're still adapting and learning every day as we make our way into 2021. In spirit of the new year and hopefully some new beginnings, we wanted to reflect on the lessons from some of our favorite Retail Remix conversations. Because while the challenges we've had to navigate are clear, we've also had our fair share of enlightening and inspiration discussions. If anything, these conversations have shown us that this crazy world of retail is still filled with so many possibilities. We began 2020 with a bang, hitting the show floor at the NRF Big Show in New York City. We were all especially excited hearing about the 4.1% sales increase retailers saw during the holiday season. There was so much opportunity for growth and innovation, especially in the new era of brick and mortar. Melissa Gonzalez, founder of the Lioness Group and principal at MG2, noted that pop-ups in particular would evolve and give retailers so many opportunities in the year ahead. A lot of things we saw last year was the average length of a pop-up really growing. So in the beginning, you know, the average pop-up was a month at the longest. And last year, we opened a handful in the fourth quarter that are going to be a year long. And the purpose of pop-up continues to evolve. It's not just for marketing. It's also for testing new partnerships, new product launches, but also testing the viability of long-term retail. And as you're seeing a lot more of D2C brands grow, They're hitting this threshold where cost of acquisition online only is becoming extremely cost prohibitive. And so they're turning to physical, understanding like we need that touch point to really build a human connection and build brand loyalty. But one thing we couldn't avoid was the growth of digital. Adobe found that online holiday sales increased 13.1% year over year, reaching a whopping 142.5 billion with a B in the U.S. alone. Jason Woosley, the company's VP of Commerce, told us all about how he believed these results would impact new retail realities and best practices. As we get to a world where all commerce is digital commerce, they're having to make adaptations and and really start thinking about, how do I take that in-store experience, that kind of face-to-face interaction, and create the same level of trust and affection through a digital channel? I think that's going to be the the place where those experiences really, really matter, and getting that content just right to really make a brand, their essence kind of come across, and those those digital properties is really going to matter. As if we needed more proof, Christine Bell Currents, the president of Badgley Mishka, told us all about how digital is impacting the legacy and future of the renowned luxury brand. Well, I'm sure it's not shocking to hear that online is becoming the wave of the future. It's particularly interesting for a luxury brand like ourselves, you know, that consumers are also finding us online and purchasing online. And even with our brick and mortar retailers, more and more of their budgets are devoted to their online businesses. So say with a Anima Marcus, 50% of their buying power will be put towards the stores and the other 50% will be put to their online shops. So we're seeing it both internally and with our wholesale partners that that is definitely the way they want to shop. When we finished our time at the big show, we were prepared to keep tabs on all the new exciting trends shaping the future of retail. And then, COVID hit, and basically, 
everything stopped. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Here's what we know. The first case of the deadly Chinese coronavirus making its way to the U.S. Officials now say more than 400 people have been sickened and nine people have died. The World Health Organization is holding an emergency meeting right now. There are now more than 14,000 reported cases in the U.S., nearly quadruple the total on Monday. The death toll has climbed to at least 205 people. California is now under a statewide stay-at-home order, the first state to take that step. Nike and Apple among the big names closing retail locations in the United States. We're going to have to go into more severe lockdown restrictions, which effectively mean all non-essential shops and retailers close, uh, all service sector outlets, restaurants, bars, hotels, all closed. But it's already too late for thousands of stores that were struggling long before the pandemic hit, such as Victoria's Secret, which is closing 250 locations, a quarter of its stores, and Pier 1 closing all of its 500 stores. Global lockdowns and store closures were the ultimate shock for retailers all over the world. Only essential retailers could remain open and consumers had to rely on online channels more than ever before. This had many experts, like author Steve Dennis, considering the long-term implications for brick-and-mortar businesses. I think the hard thing to know beyond the bulk of the impact of COVID-19 is how profoundly will consumer behavior change? Will we just kind of go back to the trend that we've, these long-term trends we've seen for two decades plus? Or will consumers fundamentally be less inclined to shop in physical stores, to go to big gathering places like regional malls. I mean, that, that's a really hard thing to ascertain at this point. But certainly if there were a profound shift in the way customers think about being out in physical space, that could make the troubles that already exist that much more problematic. We saw many casualties from COVID-19. Permanent store closures, bankruptcies, and brands being completely wiped from the face of the earth. Retailers strive to find their footing, adapt, and evolve to meet new consumer needs and remain relevant in their lives. But supply chain struggles, spurred by panic buying and other unpredicted behaviors, made the process daunting. Retailers and brands are starting to quantify the impact of the coronavirus on business. Grocery stores are scrambling to keep up with demand as panic buying empties many shelves across the country. You've probably seen it yourself as you were shopping over the weekend. Long lines out the door as well as store shelves basically emptied out as people try to stock up uh, in anticipation of a quarantine. Worried customers have been snapping up everything in sight. Store shelves nationwide are dwindling or totally empty. There have been pictures of uh, shelves being denied. Uh, Nuded of goods, whether it's food goods or, or paper goods or, or, or so forth. Is this a problem of supply or just demand run amok? Two items you still can't find, disinfecting supplies and toilet paper. This volatile climate brought topics such as supply chain and logistics to the forefront of many executives' minds. According to Gaylene Meyer Van Pinch, it made historically back-end tech trends like RFID central to COVID-era customer experiences. It's a time to take a look at what is the foundation. And I have a hard time thinking of very many retail applications that don't rely on accurate inventory data. So I think that retailers, and especially those who've already deployed 
RFID and already seeing the benefit of accurate inventory visibility are really in a point right now where they can take a look at reacting appropriately to keep their businesses running in new and different ways, um, extending the value of those existing investments into new applications. And those that aren't, I think, are really questioning what they, where they need to start and what they need to do. And I, I empathize with their place. It's challenging right now to know what is the right next step. It also made companies like Rody come to the forefront. Retailers like Costco, Target, and the Home Depot doubled down on the fulfillment experience, and last-mile-focused organizations were able to help these retailers make pickup and delivery seamless for shoppers, profitable for businesses, and safe for workers. What brick-and-mortar retailers or people with omni-channel retail strategies needs to learn what Netflix and e-commerce providers have known for a long time, which is you've got to give that optionality. So if your customer wants it in a couple days, that might be the case. If they need it in a couple hours, that's fine. They need an hour, figure it out. There might be small percentages of users that, that need these things, but you need to have the optionality because the same person that might need that one rare thing in one or two hours is gonna buy the bulk of it on cheaper shipping options, but might buy a lot from you. But if they can't get it from your brand, they're gonna find somewhere else to get it. As stores slowly began to open back up though, Professor of Marketing Barbara Kahn noted that essential and non-essential retailers alike would be facing new customer experience challenges. If it was easier to buy online, why would they go into the store? There had to be a reason to go into the store. So maybe it was to touch and feel the product. Maybe it was for the social interaction. Maybe it was for entertainment reasons. But there had to be a reason over and above the convenience of buying online. As the stores are opening up now in COVID, now there's even a higher hurdle to get people to come into the store because now there are a lot of safety and trust issues that are going on. And there are a lot of rules that people have to follow before they're allowed to go into the store. For some of these stores, you have to wait online before you're going to be allowed into the store because there's only a certain number of people that will be allowed in the store at one time. All of these put a higher hurdle on the in-store customer experience to be something that customers trust and find value in before they're gonna venture into those stores. With every new challenge though, comes new opportunity. Joe Jackman, author and founder of innovation consultancy, Jackman Re-Events, noted that COVID inspired many companies to be more agile and make quick, even risky decisions in order to keep their businesses going and reach customers in new, exciting ways. Well, the case for change today is being written, you know, in the news media with what's happening. And it's causing this workaround mentality, this scrappy, creative, well, if we can't do it that way, what way can we do it that's going to be meaningful to our customers or true to who we are as a brand and what our values are? And I'm super excited that many of the possibilities of evolving the value proposition or the customer experience, the way that channels are used, for example, or just fundamentally customer engagement, a lot of the possibilities might not have actually happened were it not for this crisis. Over the course of the year, we saw many retailers adapt and evolve their businesses for the post-COVID world. While this certainly led to some fantastic examples of innovation, we all couldn't help but wonder, even fear, what the holiday season would hold. 
David Sykes of Klarna believed that we would have pent-up demand, leading to positive growth during the season for all retailers. I think what we're going to see, particularly coming into the holidays, is that there's going to be this huge pent-up consumer demand where all of those individuals who, you know, retained employment and haven't been able to spend, whether it's on holidays or on going out or shopping in a physical store, whatever it might be, I think you're going to start to see some of that pent-up demand start to flow through the economy as we move into the holiday period. Meanwhile, Peter Sheldon of Adobe noted that consumer struggles during the height of COVID this past spring and summer would greatly influence their behaviours. The concerns about inventory availability and missing out, also concerns about shipping and, and, and deadlines and actually getting gifts in time before the holidays. So I think consumers, if anything, the last six to eight months of COVID has sort of taught us is that, yeah, we should be prepared for supply chain challenges. We should be prepared for shipping and logistics delays. So I think a lot of consumers were sort of pre-programmed themselves, if you like, to, to jump in a little bit early. We've seen the art and science of retail change significantly over the past year. But of all the things we've seen emerge and evolve in 2020, we believe innovation will continue to be critical. And in this new era, Elizabeth Elliott from Columbus Consulting believes that retailers will also need to think about how they contribute to the greater good. The relationship between the retailer and customer and how that customer feels about that retailer has become more intimate. Of course, product, price, and branding are always going to be critical, but the additional challenge leadership will need to work through is their customer relationship. Meaning, for example, is what's important to me, what's important to the retailers I shop with. Most of us through this pandemic have pulled together in society doing our part in the spirit of we're all in this together. Customers want to know what part did my favorite brands do and what are they continuing to do? A key driver of the social contribution is bringing diverse teams, experiences, and viewpoints into the fold. Franz Johansson, who is an author and founder of the Medici Group, believes that this level of diversity is what enables true innovation and business transformation. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, people talked about innovation as well, but not in the same way they're talking about it now. People did talk about diversity and inclusion as well, but not in the same way we're talking about it now. We got to this point where these two trends have converged, they merged into one. And that is what's driving the need for it. And we're about to see that trend, that trend line is only about to accelerate. It's been a whirlwind of a year for Retail Touchpoints and the Retail Remix podcast. It's been an honor to speak with so many fantastic executives, thought leaders, and innovators in this new exciting world of retail. And I can't wait to see how 2021 will shake out. As always, if you have suggestions for future episodes, folks you want us to speak with, ways that we can make this podcast better for you, drop us a line on Twitter at rtouchpoints. And of course, subscribe if you haven't already to get the latest conversations directly to your preferred podcast player. Thank you again to all of you for joining us on this crazy journey. And we wish you a happy new year.